Hey there, true believers. Welcome to the Task Force X Headcast, a proud member of the Headcast family. I am your host, as always, Aaron Moss, otherwise known as Brother Head. The Task Force Headcast follows the adventures of DC Comics' Task Force X. Task Force X was made up of the Suicide Squad comic, created by John Ostrander and Ryan Scott, which started in the late 80s, and the sister comic, Checkmate, which was created by Paul Kuppenberg and Steve Irwin. These were the two sides of DC's Espionage comics. I will attempt to chronicle each title and all the books that Suicide Squad and Checkmate appeared in during this era. Hope you guys have as much fun with these comics as I did when I first read them, oh so many years ago. Now, before we get started, let's hear a word from a friend of the show. Hey Jeff! Hey Mike! Man, it sure is great to be back to from crisis to crisis after all this time. It's been a busy year for both of us. For very different reasons. But now we're ready to cover the post-Death and Return Superman stories. Yeah, and we're about to start the books that came out in 1994, which means that we have so much to look forward to, like Bizarro's World. The Battle for and Fall of Metropolis. Superman Doomsday, Hunter, Prey. Worlds Collide. Well, you're looking forward to that one. Oh, bite me. Zero hour. Zero month. And right there at the end, we have Dead Again. And don't forget, the Elseworlds annuals as well. Well, most of them anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. some of those really did suck, don't they? But From Crisis to Crisis is back. New episodes will drop on Thursday, just like before. You can find the show at the Superman homepage, www.supermanhomepage.com, as well as at the Superman Podcast Network, which is at www.supermanpodcastnetwork.com. And we also have a Facebook page that you can like by going to www.facebook.com slash fromcrisistocrisis, a Superman podcast.com. Is it .com on there? No. No, no, it's not. No, no .com. Forget that. <laughs> so from crisis to crisis is back, folks, and better than ever. Well, I'm better than ever. You need some work. No, shut up. No, you 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 shut up. From crisis to crisis, a Superman podcast covering the post-crisis adventures of Superman, one half month at a time, every Thursday at www. SupermanHomePage.com and www.FortressOfBailitude.com Hi, I'm Gene Hendricks. You may remember me from such shows as The Hammer Podcasts and The Quantum Cast. I'd like to tell you about some special shows that I'm doing with some of your favorite podcasters. These shows are all about the live-action versions of comic book characters, and I'm calling them... Legends of the Superheroes! In each episode, we'll be looking at a different TV show or movie featuring characters like... Wonder Woman! Dr. David Banner. And let's not forget about the non-superheroes, such as... Swamp Thing! William Buck Rogers. And many more. Look for the Legends of the Superheroes specials under the Hammer Podcasts at twotruefreaks.com. I enjoy both of those shows, From Crisis to Crisis and The Hammer Strikes in his Legends podcasts. Um, check them both out. Anyways, enough of them. Let's get on with who you're here for. Me.
Um, today I'm going to try something a little bit different. In our sixth the wonderful episode, this episode we're only going to review one issue of Suicide Squad. Uh, Suicide Squad number two. I'm going to try that for a couple months and see how, maybe a shorter podcast how that works out. Uh, let me know what you guys think. Do you like the longer where I do two episodes or the single episodes? This month we're going to review Suicide Squad number two, entitled Trial by Fire. The cover date was June of 1987, but again, if you want to buy it when it first came out, grab your DeLorean, your Wayback Machine, or your TARDIS, and you got to go back to March the 26th of 1987. You can pick up this story. It was 22... Uh, 22 pages of story for the low, low price of 75 cents. Written by the master himself, John Ostender. Penciled by Luke McDonald. Inker, Carl Kiesel. Letterer, Todd Klein. Colorist, Carl Gafford. Editor, Robert Greenberger. The cover was penciled by Luke McDonald. Inked by Carl Kiesel. And this story, much like the last one, was reprinted in the Suicide Squad Trial by Fire trade paperback. Uh, check it out. You can probably get it in stock trades. I haven't looked, but check out instocktrades.com. While uh, I'm not pitching for them, it's what I've heard on Fire and Water's podcast, so I'm just throwing that out there. Anyways, here's the synopsis for this issue. Uh, the synopsis and the information I just gave you came from Mike's amazing world of comics located at www.dcindexes.com. It's a good site. Check it out. Anywho, according to Mike, the synopsis is, The Suicide Squad wait outside the compound compound where the Jihad are preparing a strike. Shimra, one of the Jihad, meets him and reveals that she is really Nightshade, an undercover operative. Nightshade is able to get the Suicide Squad members into the base to complete their individual missions. Most of the members are sent to neutralize the Jihad. Captain Boomerang kills the speedster Jakli. Deadshot kills Manicor, Bronze Tiger battles Raven, and cripples him. The Enchantress destroys the computers that contains the Jinn. Mindboggler uses her powers to disable the ordinary soldiers. However, not all will go according to plan. Plastique was assigned to destroy the lab, but she turns traitor. She tells Mustak about the assault, only to discover that he is another undercover operative, Nemesis. She then flees and prevents Nightshade from taking out President Marlowe, Flag also fails to stop Rustum, who then murders Mindboggler. Captain Boomerang could have saved her, but he elects not to do so. The surviving members then flee the base aboard a stolen jet. And that is Suicide Squad number two. Okay, now let's move on to my recap, or my uh, coverage of it. Uh, First off, we start the cover of the Suicide Squad. I like how the word suicide has bullet holes shot through it. I I really like their logo. Uh, the cover, it's a good cover. It shows a helicopter. What was the name? Bathsheba, I think, in the background. With the, We got uh, Enchantress flying above, and then we got Bronze Tiger, Rick Flag, Boomerang, Deadshot, and Mindboggler on the ground. Very nice cover. Then we go to the first page. Uh, again, the artwork in them. Overall, the artwork in this uh, by Luke McDonald and Carl Kiesel, or Kessel. I pronounce his name. They do a fantastic job. I love the art in this. It's very realistic. I'm gonna call it. Uh, we show the start of the team 
watching what they're doing. Got Rick Flag with binoculars, uh, looking at their target. The rest of them standing by, complaining in the background. Well, I say they're complaining. Mainly Captain Boomerang's complaining about the cold. Then all of a sudden, one of the teleportation tubes open up underneath Captain Boomerang, and Chirma pops out, and the team's about ready to attack her. It's very nice. Uh, and then Rick Flag lets them know that no, she's with them. Uh, she's been working undercover for Task Force X as part of the advance units. Nightshade slaps Rick and tells him that she quits. And she's upset that uh, last issue we saw the Jihad kill that airport full of real people. Uh, she's upset that she wasn't warned that the real people were going to die. So it, show, very, it shows that she, I mean, she does the job, but she is still, she's a human and she cares about others, and you know, when she sees innocent people get killed, it bothers her. I mean, this is only the second issue, and already Ostriger's gotten off to, you know, letting us know that these are real people with real fears and real a uh, conscience, if you will. And you know, Rick lets her know we're they're tied up elsewhere with a footnote seeing legends, which just gives us a time when this ties in. So apparently, uh, the first issue when uh, Marlowe was demonstrating the Jihad's uh, effectiveness at that point apparently happened at the same time as the Legends was going on that I talked about in episodes uh, 2 and 3. So like a little tie back there, it lets us know when uh, things are happening. So this is shortly after Legends, it seems. And while Rick and Nightshade's going at, you know, arguing and explaining what's going on, Boomerang's sitting there let me quote him real quick. I like this, Sheila. Nice norks on her, too. I'm assuming he's talking about her uh, her fun bags, her cha-chas. But uh, Captain Lutris, as I call him, or Captain Boomerang. Uh, very nice, very in character for him. Uh, so anyways, Rick explains that... And yes, so the, helicopter on the, pel the helicopter on the front page, that was Sheba. That was the name of the helicopter. I know it wasn't quite right. Anyways, so Rick's telling them their plan. Plastique's going to break into the lab where they're creating new members of the Jihad and destroy it. Deadshot's going after the uh, Mana Core. And I like this. Rick tells him to neutralize Mana Core. And Deadshot's very, very straight to the point. He's like, why not say kill when you mean kill? Are you being squeamish? And Rick's like, when I mean kill, I'll say kill. He makes his letter at the bottom, you know, either capture, incapacitate, or kill him, whatever it needs to be. So again, I, we're getting, you know, we're finding out, you know, dead shots very matter of fact and very to the points. And Rick, he he doesn't mind getting done what needs to be done, but he's not at all. He's not one of those that says, you know, just kill him no matter what. He's you, use your best judgment and whatever you, you need to do take him out. And then he talks to June, aka the Enchantress, and tells him that the Jin is her target. And again, as they're telling each person their target, we're getting a bubble or a panel showing each of the uh, members of the Jihad. Captain Boomerang's supposed to take on Jakuli, who's their speedster. And I like this, so Rick Flag says, Captain Boomerang, you're to take care of Jakuli. And Boomerang's like, me against a second flash? No problem, mate. So, yeah, again, he's a flash villain. 
So we're setting him against the speedster, which is kind of nice. like the little tie-in right there. And then Bronze Tiger is supposed to take care of Raven, the thuggy assassin. And then Rick says he's going to take care of Rustum. And he also says Nightshade's partner will take care of the generators. Um, we're going to hold, remember that, Nightshade's partner is supposed to take care of the generators. We haven't been told who he is, but we're going to get back to that in just a minute here. Rick wants Nightshade to take him to Chimra's quarters, because he thinks that once the st fighting starts, Rustum's first instinct will gather the Jihad quickly, and to do that is to use their, their teleport Chimra. Nightshade agrees with him that that's what happens, and he tells, Rick tells Nightshade her part is to take out Marlos. So Nightshade starts delivering everybody to where they're gotta go. Uh, again, I, I keep, I can't really keep talking about the artwork because again, I, I really like the artwork in here. It's not your standard. I don't want to say four color, but it's, your, it's not your standard uh, artwork as far as I'm concerned. But it really works. It's a very more realistic because most of your superhero comics, you have your oh, your artwork is a little more. More, a little more colorful, a little more bigger than life. This, the colors aren't quite as uh, vibrant. I mean, we do have people in, in Captain Boomerang's in a blue shirt. Bronze Tiger's in a, looks kind of orange to me. Plastique's in her pink. Deadshot's in his red and silver. So it's a colorful group, but the way it's drawn in here, I mean, it makes it look more realistic. It's very subdued. Uh, the art style, again, is, is very realistic art style. Uh, not quite, to me anyways, your average superhero. Maybe it's the shading helps, because there's a lot of shading going on in here. And I don't know, it just makes it look, it's a very great artwork. I, I, like, I like the artwork in this book. Uh, yeah, you can't say anything wrong about it. I, I really like the artwork in here. When they open up the portals, I even see the sound effects. Showing that when the portals open, it makes a bit of a sound, and then it closes. You know, the the portal closing, the air rushing back in is very nice. Uh, anyway, so <clears throat> Nightshade takes Deadshot to the the elevator shaft where Man of Course sleeps. After she leaves, Captain Boomerang, of course, and Captain Boomerang style says. I suppose you've considered the possibility she's chucked you and gone over to the flippin' Jihad for real, eh? And Rick's, without missing a beat, like, why? Is that what you would do? Which, again, just shows that, you know, they, they've got some inner within the group. You know, they're, they're still, they're a team, but, I mean, you've got members of this team that's a real jerk, a.k.a. Captain Boomerang. And showing how the group, I mean, they work together. But there is still kind of a conflict going on within the group. Uh, so we go back to Nightshade delivering everybody. She drops Plastique off at the lab. And if you're paying attention to the stories you go along, in the lab there's a couple bodies in tubes or in status chambers or whatever. Nightshade tells Plastique, you know, stay in the lab, keep the shadows, and she should be fine. And as soon as Nightshade's gone, Plastique leaves the lab going, we're not sure where yet. Then we go back to Nightshade dropping everyone else off at their appointed rounds. And then we have a little heart-to-heart. -heart, uh, Rick Flag tells them, you know, that they're waiting for Rustum to come 
to get uh, Chimra to support the team. And he mentions that, you know, he, sometimes he, he get, you can guess wrong and it costs lives. And it refers back to Secret Origins 14, which I covered last episode. And uh, Nightshade's apologizing for being out of line at the rendezvous, rendezvous point. And Rick's telling, you know, don't worry about it. You know, again, this gives... It gives a, a little more on Rick and lets us know that, again, as I said, he's human. He's also human. He's got feelings. He's got, you know, guilt. And he tells him, you know, he's worked undercover before infiltrating a group. And that, you know, she's feeling guilt that she's betraying a group that she's supposed to be a part of. But she's actually infiltrating. And this refers back to the Forgotten Heroes as shown in Secret Origins. Once again, briefly mentioned last episode. Going back to those uh, action comics... Uh, issues and I like this little scene right here let me go read this bubble off to you I, I'm reading quite a bit of this to you but uh, again John Ostinger did some fantastic writing in here and it deserves to be covered uh, he says she apologized for the, being out of line he's like forget it I've worked on a curve before infiltrating a group and there's a footnote referring to Secret Origins with the Forgotten Heroes uh, he says I know what you're feeling including the guilt You've gotten to know the jihadist people. Part of you feels like you're betraying them, right? And she says, well, yes. And he's like, good. I'd be worried if you didn't. And then he said, you better get ready, because Briscoe, their pilot's supposed to start making an attack run with Sheba to uh, distract everybody. And then we show Plastique confronting comrade Mustak. And she has, Plastique has a gun on him, which is not her mission. And she tells him that, you know, her, who she is, her name's Plastique, and that she wants to join the Jihad. So basically she's trying to betray the Suicide Squad to the Jihad. She wants to join up with them. So while Briscoe is starting to make his attack run in Sheba, Plastique's telling Colonel Mustak all about the plans of the uh, Suicide Squad, what they're going to do. And she tells him, you know, if we strike fast, we can destroy him. And he, you know, he questions her, like, you know, you're a Westerner, why, why is it going to be your concern? And she lets us know here that, you know, that people mistake her for a criminal when she's a dedicated revolutionary, which goes back to her firestorm issue, the firestorm issue she showed up in. Uh, if you haven't read those, check out, as I've mentioned before, uh, Shag and Rob's uh, Fire and Water podcast. Uh, he, a couple months ago, he covered Plastique's first appearance in Firestorm. She was a revolutionary trying to blow things up. But yeah, she makes a call back to that. You know, she's a dedicated revolutionary, and she's like, well, I trust my actions have been proven to you, proven me to you. And he's like, yes, they've proven you're a traitor. And at this point, dun-dun-dun, Colonel Mustak tells us that the real Colonel Mustak died in a firefight three months before the summons to the Jihad came. He... Pets, uh, pushes a button on his collar and it's a misprise on his face and we find out that this is Nemesis Nightshade's co-conspirator if you will her, her teammate, the other part of the team so luckily uh, Nemesis was in place to find out that Plast Plastique was going to betray him uh, she used her powers and, and explodes in front of him knocks him down and Nightshade, uh, Nightshade. Nemesis, you know, he says, you know, that he's been down too long, he should have tranked her first. And he says, you know, he, got, he can't roll with the generators, he's got to stop Plastique before he blows the whole mission open. Because, we, you know, I like this, I mean, it, 
it's very it's very true to character that Plastique's going to look out after herself. And if that means screwing over the team, she doesn't care. She's going to do it. It's very nice. We see Briscoe attacking, blowing up the side of the mountain where the uh, jihad's at. Alarms are going off. Mindboggler jumps down, starts in action. We see her using her powers. Uh, her powers, she can make people see things. As we talked about last issue, when she uh, made the Flash... I'm sorry. Made Captain Boomerang see the Flash, Superman, and Batman making fun of him. She makes the enemy troops are running in to support whoever's attacking. She makes them see sort of different creatures. We see a lion. Maybe it's the manticore. We see like a monkey, some skull-headed guy. And basically she's making them, they're afraid. Uh, we then see the fight between Bronze Tiger and Raven, I believe it was. Uh, they do a little fight fight. And they're intermixing that fight with... Deadshot and Manicore. I like this. Deadshot fires the cable and drops the elevator right on Manicore, who just he jumps up and rips right through it. It's a very good, very good scene. We then see uh, Nightshade coming into Marlowe's suite, and uh, she gets shot in the back, of course, by one of Mystique's blasts from her hand. Knocks her out. And Marlowe thinks that Plastique's an assassin coming for her. So he takes off running, and then Plastique gets shot in the back by uh, Nemesis. I guess what they say, it's, I guess it's true what they say. What goes around comes around. And then we see Flag and, oh, I'm terrible at name, Raven, I think it was, fighting. Raven summoning his sword. It's really cool. So as it comes out of midair. And Rick Flag is blasting him. Makes him, his sword disappear when he hits him in the wrist, it looks like. And then when Nemesis calls Flag to let him know that Plastique turned traitor and knocks Nightshade out, it interrupts his battle, allows uh, Raven to get away. And then at the bottom of this page, I like this, where uh, Boomerang's taken on Jekyll. Jekyll's wondering why the machine attacks, and we're not, they're not attacking back. And Boomerang pops up. He's like, Boomerang's the name. Here's why. He throws a couple Boomerangs. I like this. But, uh, Jekyll, of course, dodges the Boomerangs and flies past him. But then, of course, Boomerang comes back at him. Otherwise, it's called a stick. And hits him in the back. And Boomerang's all, Oh, you fast old chum, no doubt about it. Dodge was thrown straight at you. But Boomerang's double back, don't you see? And a couple of them hits in the back of the head and knocks him out. Or, not quite out, but knocks him for a loop. Which gives Boomerang a chance to uh, kick him over the ledge. We see him falling, and then we just hear splat! And like this, when he's... He, Boomerang kips, kicks Jaquila over the edge, and he's like, Listen, maybe you can save yourself like Flash used to. Use your super speed, you know? From form spiral updraft, spin and form whirlwinds, things like that. Guess you're just from old Flashy's class, mate. Shows how weren't my sure as hell weren't in mine. That's I like this scene here where he just kicks him off. You see him kicking him off, and then we see him falling as he's, you know, giving his little speech about, you know, maybe you can save yourself like Flash did. And we don't see him hit, but we, we see the drop line, the line showing where he's falling, and the very end we see splat. Which again, you know, boomerangs. A, he's a villain. B, he's on a team called Suicide Squad, so of course, you know, 
he's not going to be too worried about people's lives, which I really like. It's very Captain Boomerang of him, if you will. And then we see uh, Bronze Tiger fighting, uh, this is Raven. Flag was fighting Rustum, or whatever his name is. So, uh, I like this fight, you know, it's hand-drawn. I think this would be a fantastic live-action fight scene with Bronze Tiger and Raven fighting uh, each other in their trading punches and kicks until Bronze Tiger finally kicks him and we it, we see Raven bending midway when Bronze Tiger kicks him in the back and we see a crack. And then we see uh, Raven laying on the ground saying his back's broken, kill me. And Bronze Tiger's like, do not kill. Mutters were to neutralize you. I've done so. And so he leaves him there without killing him. And of course, Raven ends with, you know, someday, somehow, Tiger, I will find you and kill you. I swear by golly. I like this scene. It's very, like I said, it was a very nice battle. I like the way it was drawn. Uh, this is some great artwork. And as I've been saying about the writing, it's just fantastic. Ostringer is one of the kings of writing. He, he's the ultimate. He's the uh, last line, as far as I'm concerned, where it comes to Suicide Squad. I've said it before on my Facebook. I'll say it again here. They really need to have John Ostringer write the Suicide Squad movie. Uh, this is fantastic. Then we're back to Deadshot shooting... Manicore in the chest with his guns. Uh, Floyd's realizing that his body's armored. And he wonders if the face is, and he sees him just doing a full blast in the face. Just knocks him down. Not quite sure if he's dead. He's laying there. His face, you can't see it. Just smoke's pouring off of his face from where uh, Deadshot just fired bullets point blank. I mean, they were like... He has his wrist pointed right at uh, Manicor's face. If he'd open his fingers, they would touch Manicor's face. That's how close his wrist gun was to Manicor's face. And then we have the Enchantress fighting Jin. And uh, June Moon becomes the Enchantress, as I've mentioned before. And they're, I, it's been a while since I've read these, so I don't remember exactly 100%, but I believe from what I'm seeing here, Enchantress is a separate entity from June. Possibly, or it could just be her split personality thinks it's a separate entity. But June calls Enchantress up, and Enchantress complains that it took her long enough to call her. As Jen jumps out and attacks her, again we see them fighting, her blasting with magic, and Jen just striking at her, trying to destroy her, until she realizes that her power doesn't affect Jen any, but affects the magic, or the magnetic bottle that he lives in his home, as he blows it up. And then change back into June Moon. The building's on fire. She runs out, kind of stumbling. We see it takes a lot out of her. The last panel on this page, we see uh, Boomerang. He's looking down upon Mindbogger fighting her enemies. And he's thinking, get Mindbogger, bring her to the flight deck. Boss cocky, that's all Flag is. And he sees Rustum coming up behind Mindbogger. And she doesn't see him. And he could help her, but as I said in the uh, synopsis for this, he doesn't. In fact, he has a boomerang out, getting ready to throw it, but he thinks about you know, when she made him see uh, Flash and Superman and Batman laughing at him uh, last episode, and to get even with her, he lets Rustum shoot her in the back and kills her. kills her. And then the rest of the crew's joining up at the plane, getting ready to take off. Boomerang tells him that, you know, he just got there. Boomerang tells Flag that he got there just in time to see Rustum cut her down from behind. If only he could have gotten there a second sooner. And we can tell that Nemesis don't doesn't quite believe him. He's like, right. 
and Nemesis, you know, the, the only way to get out of the situation, they have a uh, catapult plane, it looks like. But someone has to stay behind to throw the switch. So Nemesis volunteers. He says the plane is flagged responsibility. Plastic should have been his. And, uh, again, from the writing, you don't see he's talking, but you can assume it's boomerang. He says, sounds like suicide to me, mate. So, uh, Nemesis launches the plane, and as he's about to be, about ready to be overran by, uh, the bad guys, Sheba comes flying in and starts blasting him, drops his ladder, so Nemesis can climb up and join Briscoe in, in uh, Sheba. I want to say Beth Sheba, but it's just Sheba. And then Russell's telling uh, Marlowe's that they need to rebuild, Marilong long it takes, they'll find who did this. And I like the, the last line here, Flag's talking, he's like, you got one dead, one who can go back to jail, and lose the key, Mrs. Waller. And some talking about surprises. And Waller's on the other end of the walkie-talkie saying, fine, nothing I like better than a good chat. In the last panel in here, like, you just see the helicopter and the plane both flying off, the sun setting behind them. Actually, I'm sorry, the sun's rising behind them. I forgot this was a break of dawn. Uh, the two aircraft turn west, away from the dawning day, heading back into the night. Finn. Finn, eh? Whatever. It means the end. So, yeah, I like this last panel here, the sun rising above the mountains. Uh, the helicopter and the plane both in shadows as they fly away, back towards the night, back towards America. It was a very good book. I thoroughly enjoy it. Like I said, the art was fantastic, and I, I love Ostender's writing. His dialogue's fantastic. His, his interaction between everyone's great. Uh, again, I, I love this series. Um, if you haven't read this yet, if you've been listening to me talk without reading it, you're doing yourself a disservice. Go back and reread. Go back and find these books and read them. Uh, these are great. They got the suicide. There you got. They got the uh, letters column where they're talking about you know previous issues and the legends, who's who. Uh, they got the coming attractions where they talk about the next episode, saying how most of the team survived the first mission. Now they come back to Bel Rev for some rest. However, the rest won't last for long because Darkseid has decided it's time for G. Gordon Godfrey to come home to free him from custody. He dispatches the female Furies, and their assault on the prison has to be seen to be believed. This is doing John, Luke, and Carl for some battle for the boy battle royale, and then they're also talking about uh, stuff from the Legends spinoffs. They're talking about Flash Number One, which was a great book by Mike Barron, Jackson Geis, and Larry Malsteed, and this year's Wally West as the new Flash. That was a great series, also. In the first couple issues, he fights Vandal Savage. Uh, if you haven't read those Flash up issues. I think it's the second volume. Put them down, check them out. Really good. Also on sale this month was Justice League number two, where the new team confronts some alien enemies that don't like Earth's cache of nuclear weapons. Also, our incredible writer John Ostinger is hard at work on Firestorm at this time. Again, when these books came out. Uh, according to the next issue blurb, John Ostinger is on Firestorm, and he has things hopping as he lays the groundwork for fundamental changes in the Nuclear Man and his... or Nuclear Man, sorry, and his twin alter-egos. And they're looking for a letter-column name at this point. Uh, this is all written by Bob Greenberger. And in the letter-column, 
they're making comments about the secret origins issue and some advanced word on the first issue, which we covered last episode. Actually, I'm sorry, the episode before that. Last episode was the uh, commentary to the Batman Assault on Arkham movie. But that's it for this issue of Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad number two from 1987. Uh, let me know what you think of it. If you guys have read it, give me your opinions. Uh, send me some letters, some feedback, email, post on my blog, on my Facebook. Um, but anyways, before we move on to the character profile section of the show, let's go ahead and hear another word or two from another friend of the show. Calabac Tassad. It is I, Darkseid. I command you to listen to the Who's Who podcast. Uncover the powers and weaknesses of the Super Friends so that I may destroy them. Aquaman and Superman, Animal Man and Plastic Man, Firestorm and Nuclear Man, Batman and Hawkman, 2D Man and Hour Man. Who are all these people, man? They're all part of the DC. Who's who? Ultra Boy and Booster Gold, Lightning Lass and Hippolyta, Phantom Stranger, Hedrick and Arisia and Woozy Winks. Hey, hey, hey. What? What about that one guy? What guy? Mr. Pretzel, Mr. Lipstick, Mr. Mitzelfuzzle? Mr. Mitzi's Pitlick? Yeah, him. He's also part of the DC. Who's who? Who's Who, the definitive podcast of the DC Universe. Available monthly at Aquaman Trine, Firestorm Fan, and on iTunes and Stitcher as part of the Fire and Water podcast. Oh, oh, oh. Feels good. Feels good. Hello, sweetie. My name is Aaron Moss. A.K.A. Head. I love Star Wars, comic books, movies, reading, comedy, and most things geeky. Come join me monthly, well, mostly monthly, as I talk about the things I like and a few of the things I hate. Where you may ask, why I'm at Head Speaks. I can be found on iTunes under Head Speaks and at my website at headspeaks.com and then click on Headcasts. Also, you can find me on Facebook and Google+, both under Headspeaks. Come, take a listen. This podcast is not endorsed or affiliated by Kid and Play. Though, that would be cool, huh? I'll go ahead and let Kid and Play finish the promo out. Yeah, I threw my head cast podcast in there, so what? Anyways, um, today's character profile is going to be on the character Nemesis. Nemesis is the name of two fictional characters in the DC Universe. We're going to focus on the one that we want to deal with, the only one we're going to know about really, I believe. And his name is Thomas Andrew Tresser. He first appeared in the Brave and the Bold, number 166, from September of 1980. Uh, he was created by, John, by Carrie... Burkett and Dan Spiegel. Uh, the Thomas Tresher character was created by Carrie Burkett and named for an actor who Burkett was uh, rooming with in New Hampshire. Uh, the character also was featured in one of the final Crisis Aftermath limited series, series named Escape, which was written by Ivan Brandon with art by Marco Rudy. 
on to uh, Mr. Tresser's biography. Uh, Thomas Tresser is a vigilante turned operator for the U.S. government and a master of disguise. His default costume is a black turtleneck sweater with a balance of the chest symbol and chest holster. He was an applicant to an unnamed government agency whose brother Craig was an undercover agent, infiltrating a crime syndicate called the Council. Craig was brainwashed into killing their family friend, Ben Marshall, and was subsequently killed in self-defense by fellow agents. Tom thus became Nemesis, preferring to use an alias instead of his dishonored family name. With the assistance of Batman, he cleared his brother's name and saw the men responsible for his brother's death dead. This was covered in the backup series in The Brave and the Bold, issues 166 through 192, with team-ups with Batman through issues 170 and 193. On to the Suicide Squad, Nemesis is apparently killed in a helicopter crash that killed the Council's leader, though he was later revealed to be survived thanks to Amanda Waller and Rick Flagg. He then became one of the few non-criminal members of the Suicide Squad as a means of paying off what he perceived as a debt. Nemesis became an occasional member of the Suicide Squad, assisting them from time to time, and fell in love with one of their members, Nightshade. And we met both Nemesis and Nightshade this very episode. Other media, Nemesis has appeared in a background character in several episodes of Just League Unlimited, and he debuted in the first episode of Just League Unlimited called Initiation, and later was seen more prominently in the episode entitled Darkheart. Anyways, that's about Nemesis. As I said previously, trying something a little different, this episode I'm only going to cover one issue, one character profile. We'll see how that goes. Let me know what you guys think. But on to our uh, letter section. I decided I'm going to call this section Suicide Notes. Uh, this is taken from the old... Uh, it was going to be a Suicide Squad letter page, from what I've read. But the post office was a little leery about delivering new notes or letters addressed to Suicide Notes. So they opted not to use that. Well, I don't have to deal with the post office. It's my podcast. This section is going to be called... Suicide notes. Uh, again, I haven't gotten any emails yet. Uh, I did get, uh, again, some comments uh, on our blog from our good buddy Shalom Ben Hungstein. Uh, again, our, my silent, unofficial co-host, or one of them. Uh, this one here, it looks like uh, he's referring to the commentary from commentary episode, uh, from last episode. Uh, he says, good point about the giant chain the Joker uses in his fight for same goes for Batman with the spare mask. And yeah, what was up with Bane? He was the size of an elephant and way too overpowered. And why would he be kept at Arkham with all his Venom gear on ready to juice up at any time? Oh well, like you said, those are the logic gaps we have to expect with action films. Even good ones. He goes, uh, Ben goes on to say, Something a little more condensed would been preferable for me, but not bad on this podcast. Happy holidays. Well, Shalom, Ben Hungstein. Happy holidays to you too, buddy. But as far as, uh, I think he's basically agreeing with most of my comments. Uh, the only thing in here he says that uh, he'd perform more of a condensed episode. Couldn't really do that that episode because, again, I was watching the movie and making the commentary as it went along. So it had to be as long as the movie was. Uh, but thanks for uh, commenting there, uh, Ben. Looking forward to your next comment. Uh, as far as people on my Facebook page that have liked this page, uh, most of these people are actually friends of mine. But you know what? Heck with it. I'm going to say their names anyways. Uh, the list of people that have liked this Facebook page so far is Will Frage, Steve Peterson, McMarrow Canna, Buddy Romero, 
Michelle Moss, Garrett Cutherson, Ash, uh, Asher, try that again, Asher J. Flynn, that's a good buddy of mine, uh, Philip Britt, Terry Richards, our buddy Shag Matthews from over at Firestorm Fan, thanks Shag, Jonathan Sturgeon, who also has a podcast, uh, he doesn't have any promos up for it yet, uh, but I mentioned him briefly on my last episode of Head Speaks. Anyway, back to this list. Zaro Pete, Gabriel Leal, and finally, M. Anthony Gerardo. And while I'm saying uh, M. Anthony Gerardo's name, let me go over and give a special mention to him. Uh, he has a great Facebook page I've recently joined called Unite DC Comics Project. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and read his description on this. Uh, this is M. Anthony Gerardo's description of his Unite DC Comics Project. The current era of DC Comics is a sensitive topic for old and new fans alike. Both will respond with passionate, opposing points of view regarding any DC conversation, conversation these days. New 52 objectors are more than welcome, but we do not endorse or support any boycotts here. Here we will try to be constructive with our likes and dislikes. I like this page to bring jaded DC comic fans together with new 52 supporters so they can celebrate the best of all eras of DC Comics. Let's come together as comic fans and offer ideas and solutions and resolutions to what fans think are problems. Let's review new comics and revisit old ones as well. Let's see new and innovative artwork from fans in their portfolios. Let's cosplay video game and action figure fandom post together. And let's unite fans of the DC Universe. It's a great page. Again, it's on Facebook. It's entitled Unite DC Comics Project. I'll see if I put a link on it on my Facebook page itself. Uh, definitely check it out. It's a great page. It's a great group. Uh, you get the occasional jerk, but overall, everyone's pretty good in it. Uh, now on to Suicide Squad movie news. Uh, so far, here's what I found for the official cast list. Uh, Jared Leto is going to be the, the Joker. Will Smith is Deadshot. Margot Robbie is Harley Quinn. Jay Courtney is Boomerang. Cara Delevingne is Enchantress. Uh, at one time, supposedly Tom Hardy was reported to playing Rick Flagg, but uh, that has since uh, supposedly gone away. He's filming another movie, which is going to cause problems with it. Uh, so he is out. I know they were talking about Jay Gillinghall, uh, supposedly in rumors for it. But per 12 hours ago, at least on Screen Rant, I'm looking at, ScreenRant.com, they say that Jake Gyllenhaal passes up on the Suicide Squad role. So at this point, it looks like there is no uh, actor set to play Rick Flagg. Uh, again, that's these are all rumors. Uh, this is according to Variety, apparently. They said the actor was offered the part, but declined for unknown reasons. Also, further casting rumor news, or casting news rumors, I guess it would be, uh, Viola Davis from How to Get Away with Murder is in talks on playing Amanda Waller. Uh, I've announced this on my Facebook page uh, be beginning of January. Um, I'm not familiar with her. She doesn't look too bad. Uh, we'll see how she works out and if she does show up. Also on darkhorizons.com there's a rumor about the Suicide Squad movie. Apparently it came from a Latino review. I'm not sure how accurate Latino review is, but these are again major spoilers for a possible rumor of a 
Suicide Squad movie. Just read this real quick to you. I'm reading this from DarkHorizons.com. Uh, first up, the Joker will apparently be seen early on as Harley Quinn attempts to break him out of Arkham. He is later moved to Bell Rev by Amanda Waller in order to keep Harley in check. He then spends most of the film in Hannibal Lecter-style cell until he breaks out at the end during a prison riot, killing several people in the process. Uh, Lex Luthor is tipped to be the team's target here, or rather a human trafficking gang intent on selling him a piece of bioweaponry, the Enchantress, who was in this episode of Task Force X. She's being kept in an underground area of the prison, which is filled with genetic freaks. As a result, there's no guarantee Jesse Eisenberg's Lex will even make an appearance in this, as he's more an off-the-screen MacGuffin of sorts. Report also talks about Rick Flagg's role in the film and drops a potential major twist. It seems he starts out the film as a good guy, more government agent than superhero, which is accurate, who is tasked with keeping an eye on Amanda Waller. The twist... Flag is revealed to be a villain and cahoots with his father, Rick Flag Sr., with the duo keen on keeping their hands on Waller's weapon. I, I don't know if I like that part of it. I, I don't see Rick Flag being a traitor. I can understand him uh, keeping an eye on Amanda Waller. I'm cool with that. But being a traitor, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see again. I don't know how accurate Latino Review is. Uh, this was reported on Latino Review's website on January 19th, it looks like. So... We'll have to wait and see what happens. Uh, looking at Latino Review's website, they're saying that a draft of the scripts have been finished. They've been circulated between several executives pending a rewrite. The first part of the film concerns the capture of Lawton and Harley Quinn, and afterwards they're taken to a maximum security prison run by the warden called Waller. They're planned with explosive devices and forced to be part of a mission where they're attacking an arms dealer's convoy. They're supposed to steal a weapon, but end up capturing a woman called June who we know as June Moon, a.k.a. the Enchantress. She has a split personality, and her evil side is a sorceress. Uh, Waller's tracking down and capturing every superpowered hero and villain, and it is implied that she's after Batman, but he is not in the film, only mentioned and shown on camera footage. The film is being used as a setup for the franchise villains, and not only the Suicide Squad. Bell Rev, the prison, is home to many villains beyond the leads. The script ends with a prison riot where most of them escape, including the Joker, Joker's a large part in the movie, but does not get involved with any action scene until the very end, during the riot, where he kills several people. The script has been getting much praise in the studio. The rumor is Tom Hardy left because of the changes to his character, although he is in two of the main action scenes. Again, that's what Latino Review says. Again, I don't know how accurate they are, but we'll see. Anyways, uh, that will do it for this episode of Task Force X. Join us next time, hopefully in a month, when I review episode Try that again. When I review issue three of the Suicide Squad, we'll have another character profile, and hopefully your letters. So send them in, guys. Anyways, uh, let me know what you think about the show. Let me know what you think about the shorter formats. Uh, I want to hear from you guys, right? Uh, anyways, until next time, this is Aaron, signing off. And thank you for listening to another great episode of Task Force X. I can also be found rambling on my main podcast of Head Speaks, where I rant and rave about movies, comics, geek stuff, and whatever else is bugging me that week. My home on the internet is at headspeaks.com. Links to my blog, which contain follow-up information to this and every headcast, can be found there. Please email me any questions, comments, or concerns to taskforcex at headspeaks.com. That's taskforcex at headspeaks.com, all one word. 
I am also on Facebook at Task Force X. If you're on Google+, look for Task Force X under People and Pages. All titles and characters discussed are owned and copyrighted by DC Comics. I claim no ownership whatsoever to the Suicide Squad, Checkmate, Task Force X, or any of the other characters mentioned in the show. I'm just a big old fan wanting to spread the Task Force love with everyone else. Be sure to visit your local comic shop and look for the Suicide Squad and Checkmate comics. And while you're there, see what else they have that manages you. Pick up a comic, it's fun. Now, make sure to join us next time for another fun-filled podcast from your friendly neighborhood brotherhood. Until then, I'll see you in the funny pages.